I'm just going to start with sharing a story that's happened recently in my life and we'll go from there. Um, so in September this year, I started a new full-time job in the area that I had been studying in. Um, I started this job on a Thursday. I cried Thursday, all day Saturday, Sunday, and then I quit the job on the Monday. Um, couldn't, cry, couldn't cry on Friday because we went to Bounce for Youth and that's too fun to cry at. Um, so the Sunday night, bef the day before I quit, um, I was just overcome with anxiety and I, I was crying uncontrollably, uncontrollably for hours um, because I was terrified at the thought of being unemployed and having literally no direction in my life whatsoever when I had thought I had figured it all out. Um, so when I tried to go to bed that night, I just couldn't turn my mind off. So I went down to my mum's room and I just sat there with her and I cried and I just cried for hours. Um, I had so much um, anxiety that it needed to manifest in ways other than just tears. So I kind of started to like rock um, and I haven't rocked since I was probably like five. Um, so I was, yeah, it seemed a bit unnatural and um, but yeah, I just had so much anxiety built up that it needed to come out in more than just water from my eyes. Um, yeah, and um, I'm a bit funny with affection from my family, but I actually asked my mum to just sit there with her arms around me um, and just kind of hold me whilst I just sat there and cried. Um, I spent that entire weekend crying and praying and talking to my mum and a few others that I that I trust and um, I came to the decision at about 4.15 um, on Monday afternoon and I finished the day at five. Um, I just said to my manager that I was going to quit. Um, I had no plans, I have a job now by the way, but I had no plans um, like whatsoever in my life beyond this job so I was terrified when I walked out then didn't come back the next day. Um, I felt embarrassed to be really lost and confused about where I was going in life. Um, yeah, so a few weeks later, um, I was pulled aside by someone at church and we sat down together and she began to tell me a word from God that she felt compelled to share with me. Um, sorry, I've lost my place. Um, she, she said to me, when you walked into church this morning, um, I saw an image of you crying, uh, or like a vision of you crying uncontrollably. And she began to kind of move a bit in a faint rocking motion to describe what I looked like while I was crying. Um, and she said, she continued and said, I saw someone sitting with you and they had their arms over you and they were comforting you as you cried into them. Um, and I knew immediately that um, the situation she was describing was the night that before I quit my job where I was just uh, inconsolable. Um, and then she said to me, God wants you to know that the situation you were in at that time that you've now been pulled out of, you've been pulled out of that for a reason and for a purpose. Um, so the, the reason I told that story is not anything to do with me, but the other person. Um, before giving me this word, she, when we sat down, she mentioned how we'd never really spoken to each other before. Um, she'd never previously known what to say to me, but um, and yeah, was unsure if this was what God wanted to tell me, but she, um, the moment that God told her to speak to me, she was obedient and she said yes and she was a vessel of God filled with his spirit and didn't know the impact that that word would have on my life and continues to have um, pretty much every day. I think about that that moment and, and the awesome plans that he has for me every day um, and yeah, the peace that it provided for me, she, she didn't know that but by simply saying yes to God and making that bold decision to speak to me, 
um, she was able to help me see the ways that God was working in my life to which I was previously blind to. Um, and he probably sent me other messages through that time, but I, the fact she said yes to that and that was the thing that kind of switched in my mind was just incredible. Um, so my encouragement to you today is to say yes to God and humble yourself to be a vessel of his work and allow his spirit to work through you. Um, to have faith in God's ability to work through you and not in your ability to do what God wants. Um, even standing up here now, I'm very nervous. I don't know if you can tell, I'm like shaking. But um, <laughs> I don't naturally feel comfortable talking in front of people. But I also at the same time am calm and not nervous um, because when I said yes to sharing today, I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't have like a little encouragement in my pocket that I could just whip out when someone asked me to share. But um, yeah, I didn't say yes because I had something ready to go. But I said yes because I could be used by God to encourage others and trusted that he was going to be the one to put the words in my mouth um, that others needed to hear. Um, 2, 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, 6 to 7 reads, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We aren't all gifted in the same ways, and there may be opportunities to serve or to share the gospel that are presented to you that seems so far out of your comfort zone and just unattainable. But by saying yes to him, you're putting your faith and trust in him and the work that he can and do, can and will do through you as his vessel. Um, don't don't get caught up thinking I do this as well and it's been helpful at youth to make a fool of myself and not get caught up of the earthly consequences of kind of embarrassment or rejection of talking to someone or getting up and speaking but I try to focus on the heavenly consequences the good consequences like salvation um, of others and um, yeah so God can use you for his works whether you believe it or not um, he wants, to offer, he wants you to offer yourself to him and trust that he will use you from there. He will do the rest if you just say yes. Um, I'm not encouraging you to say yes to every opportunity because um, you run the risk of being overcommitted and burnt out. But um, don't underestimate the power of your interactions with others or the power of the mundane tasks in ministry that seem boring or tedious. Or don't underestimate the scary opportunities in life where you're unsure where to begin. Um, because God, God doesn't just work in the big moments, but in small and seemingly insignificant, insignificant to us moments. Um, yeah, so that's something that happened recently in my life that really encouraged me, and I hope that it, it encourages you to um, offer yourself up to him as um, a vessel that is open to doing whatever God wants you to do. <laughs> How good is that? That's so good. That's what church is about, isn't it? Someone supporting, someone else encouraging. You just don't know what God can do. Isn't that great? Thank you, Alicia. That's really good. I think we should give her another round of applause. Now, contrary to what my wife said, kids, you are very welcome in our church. And we love having you in the service, not just out there. It's really great. You have a, you're an important part of our church and we love you. And we're really excited next week to see your presentation at the, uh, at the Christmas celebration service. They're going to be doing something, so should be fun. Isn't that good? Awesome. We're really excited... Um, 
on Wednesday night, we've got 104 people booked into our Christmas dinner uh, for the community. So this place will be full. Um, and so if you can pray for it, or if you can come along to help, that would be great. But just pray that it would be a significant night in people's lives, that um, in the gospel message will be shared and, and we, we're building on the relationships that we've built all year. And so uh, we've even got some people on a waiting list because they really want to come, but there's just no room for them. So let's pray that um, we can connect in whatever way we can. But it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. So I want to thank um, Lou and the team who loves the Christmas decorations that are up. Yeah, pretty cool. The Christmas tree and all the bits and pieces, the stuff hanging in the foyer. Lou made a lot of that stuff and put it together. So then the team, we set it up yesterday, but it's great. feels like Christmas now. Is that right? So I'm going to continue to share the message I started a couple of weeks ago. Does anyone remember what it was? No, I didn't think you'd all remember. It's about the excessively superior life. Any any, uh, bells ringing? Yes, good. Our text is in John 10. And it says there, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then the key text is, the thief comes only to kill or to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word never comes back void, but it always produces something. And Lord, I just pray that today, even as the whole service has led us to this point, that your life would flow through these words and bring life to people's hearts and souls and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As I explained a couple of weeks ago, the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here is the life that God had planned for us as his creation at the beginning of time. As we talked about, unfortunately, sin entered the world. And what happened when sin entered the world is we chose a substitute life, a life that we weren't meant for. We chose a life where we chose to be in control rather than to allow God to be in control. The exciting thing today and from our passage is that Jesus is making God's planned life the real life that he had planned for us from the beginning, available again to us. Isn't this good? In our passage, Jesus makes it clear, we have a choice. As Julie said this morning, we have a choice. We have a choose, choose. We have a choice to choose his abundant life, to choose him as the doorway to life, or we, we can choose to do life in our own strength. We can choose to do life our own way. Or in other words, we can choose to be God of our own lives. But we can only look around at our world today and we see what the results of that is. 
It is all these things that are listed that the robber brings. Destruction, stealing, killing and destroying. That's, that's what we have around us. We see people uh, battling with so many things. And uh, uh, as we talked about it, we shared how the difference between the substitute life and the real life or the abundant life is like comparing artificial grass to real grass. Isn't that right? It's just not the same. It's, it's not what it is. Or if, if you, the ladies might um, like relate to this, it's the difference between real sugar and artificial sweetener. Because they had a lot of sweets last night, didn't you? They said, yeah, there was a lot of lollies I saw around the place on those gingerbread houses. Like artificial sweetener or, or diet Coke is just not the same as real Coke. Is that right? Yes, yes. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, so that's the difference between the substitute life that the world offers us and the abundant life that Jesus offers us. Now, it can literally, when Jesus says giving us life and life abundantly, it can literally be described or translated as an excessively superior life. That's, that's what it is all about. It's, it's superior to anything else we've ever experienced. And Alicia's testimony this morning and her encouragement shows you that what happens when you're living in this type of life when that person gave her that word it brought life to her soul but that person was connecting with Jesus and Jesus spoke to her and she then was obedient and shared with Alicia so Jesus life flowed through her through her into Alicia that's the type of life, this excessively superior life that Jesus wants to offer us. Jesus explained it this way in John 15, that he is the vine and we are the branches. And so as the vine, it, Jesus can't offer us this excessively superior life if he doesn't have it himself. Because he, is, he has it, he can then give it. And when he gives it, it's like he gives it to us when we are connected to him. So the thing I explained a few weeks ago was that the one thing he gives us is the ability to rest over striving. You see, the substitute life that we lived in or we, the world offers us is a, is a life of striving. Working hard, trying to make things happen. Working hard, trying to be something or somebody. And working like we, ever since sin came into the world, we've been striving to be God of our lives. We've been striving to be in control. Isn't that true? We've been, we, before we found Jesus, we, we kept on striving to have stuff. But what Jesus offers us is not about what we accumulate. And it's not even about the accolades we get or the accolades of recognition that we receive. The excessively superior life is not about that. It's about resting in him and putting down the striving as he said to us come to me all you who are weary from striving and I will give you rest that's what Jesus wants to do and when his life flows through us or flows from him to us 
like the branch connected to the vine because at the end of the day it's all about relationship and it's about us being connected to Jesus so when we are connected to him when we're abiding in him when we're communing with him what happens is the life of the vine goes through the branches and then what does it what's the next step what do the branches then do produce fruit well done you remembered and and the fruit is the fruit the fruit of the branch it's not the fruit of the branch the fruit is the fruit of the tree that the branch is connected to does that make sense so the fruit i explained this the other week jesus explained or it's explained like this in the bible in galatians 5 the fruit of jesus life in us is the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control and then it says this powerful statement against such things there is no law i want you to get excited about that because when we're connected to jesus and his life is flowing through us then the fruit of our life is the fruit of jesus and the fruit of jesus is love joy patience la 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 all that stuff and against such things there is no law think about that for a moment you don't need law if you're living in love you don't need law if you're living in joy you don't need law if you're full of god's peace you don't need law if you have gentleness self-control faithfulness you don't need laws because jesus is in you isn't that good that's exciting so this that's the rest that jesus wants to give us that we don't need to strive and try we just need to be connected to him and then as we're connected to him we produce his life which blesses us but how much more does it bless the world around us so today uh, that's not what i'm going to preach about today because i'm going to preach about the next thing that this excessively superior life jesus offers us what it gives us and the next thing it gives us excitingly is position over performance whoa this life that jesus offers us this excessively superior life that he is giving is all about our position over our performance you see another thing that happened when sin entered the world and when we chose to be god of our own lives is that in all of our striving in all of our striving to be something or to do stuff and to accumulate stuff the sad thing that happened is that we forgot who we truly are and who we belong to in all that work of trying to be god of our own lives we forgot who we really are the bible tells us that we are created in god's image what that simply means is that we are the objects of his love and affection in psalm 139 verse 14 it explains it this way the psalmist writes i will praise you talking about god for i am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well 
You see, the psalmist knew, knew that he was created in God's image. And he knew that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. And he declared that it was marvelous because he knows God doesn't make rubbish. And so he declared, and, and in that knowledge, he goes, my soul knows that very well. But sadly, in our world today, people have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten that they're created in God's image. They've forgotten that they are the objects of his love and affection. And what happens when you forget about who you are and who you belong to, if I can say it as simply as this, you're lost. There, has anyone ever been lost as a child? What is the first thing? I remember getting lost in the Adelaide airport when I was my, about three or four or five or something like that. My mum was very negligent and she... <laughs> she she lost me in the airport. I didn't do anything wrong. I was just doing being a child. But she lost me and I was bawling my eyes out. And the first thing, someone came up to me and said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm lost. Uh, and and the first thing they said to me, what's your name? And, uh, and, and so I said, my name's Ben Carboni. And then they took me to this person and they told them my name and they did, a, did an announcement over the loudspeaker. We've got a child here. His name's Ben Carboni. If he belongs to you, come and pick him up. And, uh, uh, but the fact is, I knew who I belonged to. I knew my name. But if I didn't know my name, when you're lost and it, when you don't know who you belong to and you don't know who you truly are, can I say it like this? People that, are, that don't know who they belong to and, and don't know who they are are literally insecure. And what happens when you're insecure, stay with me on this, is when you're insecure, you, you perform or you behave in a way to get people's attention. You behave in such a way when you don't really know who you are you behave in such a way to get people's approval, to get people to like you because you're not sure and secure in who you are. Now, let's be honest about this. The world is full of this substitute life, people performing to gain other people's approval and attention. They think People thinking that what I do is a measure of my success so I have to do, do, do to prove how successful I am so that other people accept me and say, wow, he is something special. He is something important. Look what he's done. He must be really important. Isn't that right? And this is the sad thing about the substitute life is that we use our performance to measure our worth. Do you get that? We use the way we perform to measure what we're worth. But I want to tell you today that God never designed us for that. Now, I'm, I'm talking to you, and I'm going to just be totally honest and vulnerable today. Not that I, not usually, but just you're going to get more stuff. But the fact is, I'm telling you a truth that is real to me. Because as many of you are aware, I grew up without a dad. 
Uh, and the reality is I discovered early in my life and I, I've spent literally most of my life other than the last five or so years believing the truth that my performance was what mattered most. And I would perform to a standard that I thought would make people love and accept me. That I would, that they would approve of me and like me, basically. And the saddest thing for me, and I'm being completely honest, is the vehicle that I used to gain attention and to gain approval to perform in was the church and ministry. That, that was the reality of it. The church I grew up in, um, I, I learned early on that if I did certain things and if I behaved a certain way, that people said, oh, he's a good guy. He loves God with all his heart. Oh, he, look how much he serves in the church. He's just here all the time. He's doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. Now, we like him. So I learned that pretty early. And the sadder thing is that the church I grew up in actually, like, use that for their own advantage rather than teaching me the truth of who I was in Christ and helping me understand my position rather than my performance because it served them well. They got things done. Things happened because I was willing to do it. But God wants us to understand that it's not about our performance. With him, this excessively superior life he offers us is that he wants to give us a position over performance. Now Jesus completely understands this temptation to choose performance over position because one of the choices the enemy gave him when he was tempted was about performing. It's the second temptation in Matthew 5, Matthew 4 verse 5 and 7. Let's read it together. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said these words to him, If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. So after the first temptation, which we talked about the other week, turning bread to stone, or stones to bread, um, the devil's like, okay, I'm going to use the scripture against him as well because he used scripture against me the first time. And then Jesus answered, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the enemy tempted Jesus with the question, he te they tempted, or he tempted Jesus with the question about who he was. He asked that massive question, you read it there, If you are the Son of God. He didn't say, since you are the Son of God. He said, if you are the Son of God. He's basically saying, prove it to me. Do a performance for me. Jump off this temple and prove to me that you're God's Son. Do a nice song and dance. Show me that you're the Son of God. And Jesus, because he was secure, not insecure, he was secure in who he was in God and he knew who he belonged to, he said, I don't need to tempt God. I know who I am. I don't need to do that stuff. And this is the great thing. When we understand that we belong to God, we know our position in God. 
And it's our position that gives us security, not our performance. Let me say that again. It's our position in God that gives us security, not what we do for God, not how we perform for God. So we don't need to prove anything, but rather we need to operate from a knowledge of who we are in him. Jesus was like this when he was here on earth. Now Jesus performed great miracles and he did great things. He preached amazing messages and he he changed people's lives. But you notice in Jesus' life that everything he did, he said, I only do what the Father tells me. And, and when people said, we want you to become king, we want, you to, we want to raise you up, we want you to help us overcome the Romans, we want you to, he would withdraw. It wasn't about popularity with Jesus. It was all about being who God had called him to be. Let me say this. Once we know and accept by faith, and this is really important, once we know that we are children of God, sons and daughters of God, once we know that, we might know it in our head or we make a decision and we choose Christ and we say, well, we want to follow you. Knowledge is not enough. You then have to accept that by faith. In other words, you have to believe it with all your heart and step into it and act on it and live by the knowledge that I am a child of God. I'm not going to choose performance. I'm going to stand knowing I'm a child of God. You see, when we know and accept by faith who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ, the amazing thing is we, we get all these tremendous benefits for ourselves and also for others around us. Knowing our position in Christ will bring an end to the need to perform in our lives. Because when we live in this excessively superior life, you don't need to feel unworthy anymore. Because... Christ has made you worthy. When you are in Christ, when you are living this excessively superior life, you need to understand that there are no limitations anymore. Because as Jesus said, or as Paul said in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So limitations are gone because you're living in Christ. When you're living in Christ, the excessively superior life that he gives us is this idea that there is no more condemnation, as it says in Romans, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live in condemnation anymore. Sure, we all make mistakes. We all sin from time to time and do stuff that we're not proud of. But Jesus says, in me, there is no more condemnation. That we, we, can, we can know that when we come to him, when we ask him for forgiveness, when, that that is available to us. We don't have to regress back and go, oh, woe is me. We can stand in the knowledge that I am a child of God. And I'm, I forgive me for doing the wrong thing, but I am not going to be condemned because Christ doesn't condemn me. You see, when we have this this life that Jesus gives us we don't need to fear and worry anymore because as Jesus explains it we know who we belong to now I want to share with you a scripture that will help you 
fully grasp what it means to be in Christ, what it looks like to be in Christ and what you receive when you are in Christ. And it's Ephesians, it's in Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I want you to understand, I'm going to share this today, but I want to encourage you even over this week to find this passage in your Bible. Maybe you want to print it off. Uh, and, but I want to encourage you to read it every day this week and read it with the knowledge of what I'm sharing today. That This is telling me who I am in Christ. So this is declaring to me my position and I'm going to determine that I choose my position over performance. So let's have a look at it. It's a bit small up there, but I'll read it for you. But Paul says this in Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 11. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to feel, fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. This is what God gives us. This is our position in him. Now, Bill Mill, he's not here tonight, but he shared this with me a, a while back. He sh I think he shared it at, at prime time. And he, he said to us, and I encourage you to do this this week, is personalize this for yourself. So when you read it this week, when you sit down each day and have a read of it, read of it like this. Say, all praise to God, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me, who has blessed, maybe you want to put your name in there, who has blessed Ben with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because Ben is united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved Ben. God loved Brian. God loved Samantha. God loved Nige. Even though he's a Kiwi, he loved him. But, and he chose Ben to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You can go through that whole passage and personalize it. 
understand that you're chosen. God chose you to be a son of God. And, and yes, you were in sin, but it says here that, that through, what's it say? He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased Ben's freedom with the blood of his son and forgave Ben's sins. So I don't need to walk in condemnation any longer because of what Christ has done. So can I encourage you this week to do that, to personalize it, to get it on board, understand who you are. I want to read this passage to you again, but this time I'm going to read it from the Message Bible to, to bring it down to everyday language for us today. And so we might be able to understand it even a bit better. But it says in the Message Bible, it says, How blessed is God! And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. Think about that for the moment. You are the focus of God's love. You are the, the epitome of his love. To be made whole and holy by his love. It's his love that makes us holy. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. He wants you in his family. That's how much he loves you. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either abundantly free he thought of everything provided for everything he could we could possibly need letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making he set it all out before us in christ a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him everything in deepest heaven everything on planet earth then it says this it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. I love that That's, that sentence. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for it's in christ it's in christ so in closing our position is that we are children of god and as children of god that means everything he he has is ours do you get that if we're children of god that means everything he has is ours.
We no longer need to perform to be affirmed or to be accepted. Why? Because Jesus has done it all for us. He's done it all. We read that passage. He's done it all so that we can have relationship with God. Our job, all we need to do is to draw near to him. All we need to do is love him. We need to be the children he created us to be. This is the excessively superior life that he is offering us. That we are his children and everything he has is ours. You know, Jesus told a lot of parables about lost things. The lost coin, the lost sheep and the lost son. Because he understood that we had lost or we had forgotten who we are. And he wanted to remind us that of who we are. And I want to share just in closing this last, the story of the lost son. Because I think it's a really powerful illustration of us before Christ and what God has done for us. So in Luke 15, it says these words. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now this is, for them listening, this was shocking. This was absolutely terrible. It's the worst thing ever. You would never ask your parents for the, your inheritance before they die. It was just the wrong thing. And then it says, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to f- the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your called your son please take me on as a hired servant so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him his son said to him father I have sinned against both heaven and you And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his son, his father said to his, to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf. And kill the calf we have been fattening. 
we must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. This story is full of so many images and and ideas and thoughts. But the thing I want us to focus on today is that we are the sun. And just like this sun, we turned our back on God when we chose the substitute life. When we chose to do life by our own strength and in our own way. And for all of us, we know in this place that that only brought us pain and hurt and suffering. And that's what it's like when you try to do life without God. But when the son came to his senses and and made his way back home, the incredible thing is that he was going thinking, I'm just going to be a servant in my father's house. And the father saw him a long way off and he did what no father would have done in those days and he ran out to meet him. He ran to meet him and he embraced him. And the son's trying to tell him, I've done the wrong thing, forgive me, forgive me. I just want to be a servant in your house. And the father shocked him and shocked him because all he deserved was to be a servant. All he deserved was to be stuck in the performance-based life of performing. But his father says, no, you're my son. I'm going to put a robe on you. A robe, the best robe in our house to declare to everyone around me who you are. You are my son. You are my child. Everything I have is yours. Even though you squandered your inheritance, everything I have is yours. And he put a ring on his finger as a sign of his devotion and commitment to him. And so that everyone would know that he was his child. You know, in the same way, God doesn't want us to be his servants. God's, never, God's plan was never for us to be his servants. God's plan, as we read in Ephesians, was always for us to be adopted into his family. He calls us into his family. Servants do jobs. Servants perform the duties that are required. But sons and daughters receive the full inheritance. Sons and daughters get everything the Father has. God wants and does everything that is required to restore us back to his children. Because that is who he created us to be. And guess what, church? That's who we truly are. Sons and daughters of God. The reason he does that is because he wants relationship with us. You don't need to prove that you're his son or daughter. You just need to choose You just need to choose and believe that you are and accept by faith 
who you really are. That you are a child of God. And then just enjoy everything he has for you. He has it all for you. Everything he has is yours. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we choose you as our door to life, that your gift to us is position over performance. We don't need to strive or struggle to prove to anyone around us who we are because you have done it all for us. Your word says that once and for all, you dealt with sin. Once and for all, as you said on the cross, it is finished, it is done, it is complete. God, right now I just pray in this place that you would give us a fresh revelation of who we are in you. Help us understand that we are your children. As your children, we don't need to perform. We just need to draw near to you and love you and be who you have called us to be. It's not about doing, but it's about being your child. Help us do that, God. Help us be your child. Help us accept your love. For some of us here, maybe we struggle with that. Struggle to know your love. I just pray right now for anyone here that might be struggling to accept God's love in their life. That right now, in Jesus' name, your love would flood them. Your love would overwhelm them. Your love would fill them to overflowing as their branch connected to the vine. That they would be filled with your love. In this place, Lord God, thank you for your word today, God. Help us live it this week. In Jesus' name, amen.